I guess we should do this thing, huh? Fuck yeah, let's do this. All right. another episode of tip to tip with lou and chris my name is lou and my name is chris that is chris <laughs> uh we're doing episode 20 we're gonna fucking it's nice two decades i can't wait till i'm 21 you know soon you'll be able to buy alcohol and lose my virginity and porn <laughs> is that is that how old you were yeah nice i can't wait nice. till november i can't either I can't wait till we're done doing these episodes about jobs so we can do an episode about our virginity. Oh, my God. I'm going to fucking make you do, tell me every detail on, on microphone. That's going to be a funny one. That would be awesome. I'll give you the same respect you give me, my friend. I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> so, today we're going to be talking about the time I worked at Bixby's Bagels. Bixby. <laughs> That's right. Um... Yeah, like I said in the last episode, I had just moved to Champaign, Illinois, which is kind of right, no, it's not right in the middle, it's a little more north than middle, but it's about three hours south of Chicago, in the middle of cornfields and shit. It's a college mm-hmm. town. Yep. Um, and yeah, we'll get all into that in a minute, but first let's do our occupational breakdown. Occupational. Oh, you gotta cut that out. <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> My voice is all fucked up. That was awesome. No, we're going to cut that. Do it again. You do something. <laughs> so bad. It's better now. It's better now if I use it. Fuck. <laughs> Occupational. <laughs> oh, I apologize. Oh, this is going to shit his pants. It was so good. So, uh, yeah, Bixby's Bagels, clearly a bagel shop of some kind. Who if they didn't sell bagels? <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, position held. I was a cashier slash counter employee, and I made five seventy five an hour there, which I don't know if that was higher than minimum wage or maybe minimum wage was a little higher there than it was. I can't, be- I can't imagine it was higher there than it was in, in California. But No, that sounds weird. Yeah, but maybe maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe my information's bad and I was making two forty an hour. <laughs> that but sounds more realistic for fucking yeah. champagne. I was definitely making, you know, not enough money to support a human being in the world. <laughs> and I worked there a little over two months. So Okay, we're spending some time. We are. Um I hate to disappoint, but I don't remember a lot about this job either. (laughs) Even though I worked there for a considerable amount of time compared to the last two jobs. Yeah. And I think the reason is because of the things that were going on around, around me, but you know, we'll get on into all that in a minute. That was your occupational breakdown. Occupational. (laughs) I was like, you're, 
<laughs> I was watching your face. I was like, should I Should I go? Is it my I turn? I so wanted you to. I so wanted you to. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to fucking pull it off. <laughs> Breakdown. Breakdown. So there, yeah, that, that, we did it there. Oh, man. I think I just hurt myself laughing. <laughs> um, I read a lot of journal entries during this period of time to like kind of, I don't know, bring it back into focus a little bit. And in reading these journal entries, I was in a really fucked up headspace. <laughs> like, oh, no. not, not a good one. Um, yeah, I, so we got on a plane, we flew to Chicago, we stayed with friends, we, stayed at the same place different places eventually she went to her mom's like probably within a a day or two of us getting back she went to her mom's and i got a ride down to champagne and it was probably like so this is the end of march of 97 and the invitation was extended by my friend clay and barry who were roommates and they both were going to college at U of I in Champaign that I could slip, basically sleep on their living room floor. They had like a dining room that didn't have anything in it. <laughs> so the idea was I would just kind of fucking take a, take a wall, take a corner and kind of just see what happens. I think uh, originally I was going to come there in the summer, but then of course things changed for us. So they were gracious enough to let me come early. And yeah, it was like, come sleep on our fucking floor. And I think I had like a hundred bucks in my pocket or something like that. Like I didn't have very, I didn't have any money and no prospects. I had a guitar and I didn't even have a fucking amp at that point. I I think I put my practice amp. No, you know what? I think I actually fucking shipped my amp. I'm just remembering this. I think I shipped my practice amp. No, I think I shipped it like I put it in a fucking box and and spent <laughs> 50 or 80 bucks or something to mail it to Champagne because I, f- I feel I had an amp there. I don't know how the fuck it would have gotten there otherwise. And I do have a vague memory of mailing an amp at some Holy point shit. and having it be ridiculously expensive, which it was probably close to like, you know, between 100 and 200 dollars to ship it. Um yeah, so that's a weird memory I just had, like a flood of me at a fucking post office with a box that was very heavy. <laughs> um, yeah, I got the job. So I, I got to Champagne, like I said, the end of March. I got the job at Bixby's probably about two weeks after moving there. Clay actually worked there. And him and his girl, his girlfriend, Alyssa, and I both got jobs there at the same time. In fact, I had my interview and she had her interview right after me. Oh. And she she had an apartment in Champagne, but I can't remember what happened. I know if she was staying at Clay's a lot because obviously they're they're dating and <laughs> right. when you're when you're twenty and you have your own apartment, your girlfriend sleeps over. So she was there like all the time. Um so yeah, we got jobs the same time there, me and her, and the fucking place was two blocks away from their apartment. So my like son's apartment. Perfect. Yeah, it was right down, right down the street from their apartment. And I've, I, you know, I've joked about the corn and shit, and it is surrounded by corn, but it's, it's like a little college town. Have you, you been to Champagne? You have, right? 
I really enjoyed Champagne. I've been down there. The uh, college puts on a the music festival. festival. Yeah, called Pygmalion Music Festival. And I also went down with an old friend to see the band Torch. Okay. Are you familiar Is with it Torch? Torch or Torche? I always call it Torch. I've never heard it called Torche. They have an E at the end of, the, of it, right? They do. Okay. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I'm not misremembering there was an E at the end of the Yeah, no, you're correct. Name. Okay. I don't know what it is either. I've never heard anybody other than you just now say it. I've heard them. I know I know of them. I've listened to their music. They're like kind of like slow core kind of grunge rock, right? Like stoner rock. Sort a, of. a little bit. Like their tuning's really low, but they also have a lot of cool like little riffy stuff. Kind of like up tempo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've I've listened to them but I haven't invested in them. Yeah. You like them enough to go down there to see them, huh? Yeah, and it was also like something for us to do. Um, yeah. But besides that, when I went down to that Pygmalion festival, you know, all the stories that you've told me about Champagne and the music scene, and I went to, um, what's that one record shop that's really popular? Um, Parasol? Yes. I went there yeah. and I talked to this really cool girl named Angie who's lived there and like went through the scene and has been in bands and stuff. And she was talking to me about um, like C clamp and American football back in the day. And just all this stuff, like spend some time with me. Like she was vibing off the fact that I was like really into it. Yeah. So it was, it was a cool experience and in a way I got to experience some of that stuff. So it was cool. Yeah. It's kind of, it is cool that you had like a little, uh, your own little, version your own little yeah like an experience there that didn't have anything to do with me or anybody else it was your own thing that's neat i like that and i'm not sure if you remember i actually met the bass player of c clamp i definitely remember (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i was like oh you know do you have any old c clamp merch and he said yeah and we exchanged emails and i never heard anything from him (laughs) which was kind of a letdown because c clamp is fucking awesome yeah, C Clamp. If anybody out there who has not heard the band C Clamp, they're fan fucking tastic. They're one of the best. Um, that's the thing that's kind of interesting about Champagne is you know it's a college town. It's surrounded by corn. It's got you know fucking. It's a it's college. You know, like people are there to go to school. There's football games. It's fucking. There's townies who have you know live there but don't go to the school. Um, yeah, I didn't really know what to expect. I'd been there once or twice, but I hadn't spent time there really, and I didn't know really what the vibe was going to be like. And I liked it, you know, like real quick. I feel like we should talk about this stupid fucking job because it's going to be basically like one little bit, and then we could talk about champagne more because yeah, that's the ahead. more interesting part of this. But um, yeah, I got this fucking job. The job itself, I fucking made bagel sandwiches and sliced bagels and sliced meat. I remember it being weird because I was a vegetarian still at this point, and I was in the back slicing fucking piles and piles of meat, just, like, getting ready for, like, future lunch rushes or whatever. Yeah. Like, go in the back and slice all of this, and I'd be back there just, like, meat, meat. And I actually preferred slicing fucking meat to slicing onions. I believe that. that. fun noise. Yeah, that, that noise right there is how I felt slicing onions. <laughs> yeah, like fucking awful. But yeah, I, I I remember that. I remember making sandwiches. I remember eating a lot of egg sandwiches, like on a bagel. Like cut a bagel in half, put some egg on there, put some cheese on there, 
sandwich it up. I remember eating those a lot. Sounds good. And to then me. yeah, and I remember there was a girl named Sally who worked there that I really really wanted to hook up with, and I just did not have the vibe. She she gave me nothing, and I think there was a chance. I'm not. This is gonna sound shitty. This is gonna sound like me trying to cover for the fact that I'm not worthy. I think she might have been a lesbian. <laughs> it was one of those ambiguous things where she like kind of was on the edge of like, you know, the gaydar was like tweaking a little bit. Sure. But she was so cute and I just I don't know, something about her just really worked for me, but I did not work for her because no, she was she was no, not no vibing interest. you. There was zero vibing happened. <laughs> um yeah, she was not interested. And that is literally all I can remember about that fucking job. And I worked there for two months, which is crazy. Um, did not work there full time. So it was probably like f- three or four hours a day, five days a week tops, maybe less. I made basically enough money to pay for my own food. And then even then I was still like mooching off people pretty much. So mainly working yeah, with students. Yeah, it was. I mean, there was maybe one, one or two townies in there, but mostly students and all the fucking people that came in were students. All the customers were students. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it was weird. I went from being in a very isolated kind of life experience in, in California where I didn't have any friends other than my girlfriend and my mom <laughs> right? and, and like all of my friends live somewhere else. And this is before email was something you could do really easily. And so it was all like handwritten letters and mixtapes being sent in the mail. And I remember being excited getting a fucking, a a, a letter, you know? back in the day so i went from that to living with people who i was friends with who were playing music who were musical who were fun and going out every night to do something or having like people come over and just be rowdy and collegey yeah you know and yeah it was like i fucking went to went from going to no shows or very rarely going to shows like i remember in newport beach we went and saw braid they came through and played in santa Ana. And we went and saw them there. And that was like a real interesting experience. And then suddenly I'm in Champagne, and we're seeing fucking C-Clamp and Braid and Very Secretary and Caster and Raina Maria and Karate and Sweater Weather and Boys Life and fucking Coalesce, you know, just like all this random Holy shit. live music. Just, you know, every couple of days there was something. It got to the point where I was like, eh, I don't feel like going to a show tonight. You know, like I just rather just I'm just going to go home and like, you know, write or something <laughs> like that, it was that. that had to be such an inspirational time, though. So here's the problem. And I think this is this is going to show a very glaring character flaw in me, which probably the audience already sees from the <laughs> exposure they've got. And I am self-aware of it, but I can't fight it when it's happening. And that is I get myself in these circumstances where it's like could be really positive and I and I'm in the worst mental headspace I could possibly be at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like in a place where this could all work. Like, you know, to give you an idea, I got there and me and Clay started writing songs together. Like right away. He had some ideas. He wasn't probably as prolific as I was at the time, but he could play stuff that I was writing, which was kind of unusual for me to find. Just I don't know if my style is weird or whatever, but Yeah. Like, I remember being stoked that I had this this one specific riff I was really excited about, and I wanted to, like, I had, 
an idea for a second guitar part, but I couldn't, I didn't have a four track at that time and I wanted to hear it. And then I taught him the first part and he could play it. I was like, holy shit. I was so stoked. And then he showed me something he wrote and I was like, that's fucking awesome. Let me do this. And I did something over it that was like awesome. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Like th- this is going to, this is going to be a thing. You this know, is I was it. like, we're going to yeah. be in a band. Yeah. I was, I was really excited. And I mean, to the point where I remember we actually talked to Steve Lamos, who's the the drummer of American football now. And at the time, American football wasn't a thing yet. But uh, I remember Steve saying that he would be interested in playing, but he wanted to wait till after finals because he didn't want to make any commitments to anything until he was kind of through the hump of that. Wow. So I was like, okay, we can, we'll wait like three, three months. And I knew he was a good drummer. He had played on some stuff I'd heard and he played trumpet on some braid albums. And I so didn't know him. It hadn't at been all. American Clay, football Clay yet, right? Him. No, American football hadn't happened yet. He, he, uh, yeah, he was playing, I think, with Mike. Um, one up the downstair. The one up downstairs. Yeah. You're very close. Um, yeah, that, but that, the thing about that was it hadn't even come out. Like they recorded a three song thing that was supposed to come out and then they decided not to be a band and it never came out. So I remember actually, seeing Mike Kinsella at a party and him telling like me and Blake that, you know, like, Oh, you know, you want to hear the, the songs. And we went back to his apartment and listened to the songs. And I was like, even then I was like, Oh, this is something special. Like this is different than what we've been doing. And this is a new direction. And it was very much the kind of the spark that would be American football later, you know, that same kind of vibe. But yeah, it was, you know, there was a lot of opportunity there and, so I'm going to I'm going to make myself look bad as I often do on this show. We've talked about my open relationship uh and all my friends knew about it and some of them were more curious than others, meaning you start to have conversations like, "Oh, that's really interesting. Like, you're not jealous?" No, blah blah blah. blah. We like get into it, and at some point maybe we'll actually get into it on this show, but that's not for this episode. But yeah, it would be like, I think the idea of, you know, the the problem is most guys, especially at that age, you say, oh, you know, you can stay with your girlfriend and then also occasionally fuck other people. That's an option. And then people are like, wait, that's an option? <laughs> like, right. I don't, I didn't know that was an option. I thought it was either break up, cheat, or not do that. And I'm like, oh, no, there's a secret third door <laughs> where you don't cheat, you don't break up, and you do do that. Some of my friends are like, fuck that. That's ridiculous. Like, I can never do that. That's, uh, I, you know, some of them have that, like, very self-righteous. I have more respect for myself or more respect for my girlfriend than that. Some are like, no, I'm way too jealous. I could never do that because I would get furious and flip tables. Some, <laughs> and I don't, I don't hang out with people that have this attitude generally, but some people are like, well, that would be awesome for me, but I could never be okay with my girlfriend doing that. That kind of shit. Yeah. So a couple of my friends were very, like, open-minded like oh that might actually be kind of a cool experiment like i might be interested in trying that and clay was one of these people that was a little more open to the idea and his girlfriend Alyssa was also kind of open to the idea and the conversations were sort of vague but not vague enough where i was like guessing you know what i mean i didn't expect to get to champagne and just jump into a relationship with clay's girlfriend or anything like that but I was very attracted to her. And then as I got to know her in the first few, you know, probably the first week, week and a half of living there, 
I was like, oh, this girl's actually really cool. Like, it's not just a physical attraction. Like, she's a cool person, has a good personality, and is interesting, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. All the all the nice things that don't make me sound like a scumbag. But Did, um, you, did you guys work together a lot? No, but we were in the apartment a lot because, you know, Clay and Barry would go to class, and neither one of us were going to class at the time. She was going to go to Champaign the following year and had moved there early to kind of... I, I don't know exactly. I mean, spend time with Clay slash get a job slash whatever. But and I, she might have been taking some classes like early, but she wasn't on a full schedule or anything like that. So we spent a good amount of time just sitting around talking, yeah, you know, chit chatting and stuff. And I developed like a very strong crush on her. And I, I hesitate to say it was more than that because at the time I probably would have said it was more than that. Looking back, it probably wasn't more than that. But I was just at the wrong headspace to be in that place you know like i was kind of lonely my girlfriend was in chicago we didn't have cars so it was we were only going to see each other like every couple of weeks yeah and so yeah i was like we got along really well and i was like well i mean clay seems cool with us being like friendly and kind of flirty and maybe something would happen down the line and it went very quickly from like that to i made things very uncomfortable for everybody Uh, yeah and i again this is all from my point of view but (laughs) i remember thinking like i'm not really being any different than i always am but she was responding to me in a way that was making him uncomfortable you know that kind of thing and at some point he, he got uncomfortable enough with the vibe that he actually took me for like, he took me aside to have a heart to heart with me. And I remember he was like, Hey, can we take a walk? And I was like, well, are you going to kick my ass? Like something <laughs> about the way that he like said, like, can we go take a walk? I like jokingly was like, are you going to kick my ass? Cause he kind of seemed like, like we're going to go outside so I can kick your ass. Yeah. Um, and of course he didn't kick my ass. We just had a conversation and then he basically told me his concerns and some of them were, were valid and some of them were in his mind and some of them were, he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have said things before that he's now kind of retracting after there's a little feelings involved, yeah. you know? And here's, here's where I really went wrong. A mature person who's self-aware says, you're right. I'm, I've overstepped a bit and whether or not she was okay with that, you're not okay with that. And your friendship is important to me and we're starting a band. So I'm going to be cool. My reaction was, okay, I mean, I feel a little bit side uh, blindsided by this because it's contrary to sort of everything you were saying before to me. And I sort of suspect that if my girlfriend was here giving you attention, you would have a different feeling right now than you do. And then, but yeah, sure, I'll like stop being as kind of open and flirtatious with her and then... I went hard the other way. I was like, well, I don't, if I can't be how we were being, I don't want to be like halfway. So I just kind of, I didn't like ignore her, but I sort of just shut her out. Like, okay, I'm like going to keep her at a distance. You know what I mean? I'm just going to, and I've done this before in my life where it's like all or nothing, very black, black or white for me. And it's fucking stupid. I don't look back on it proudly. It's what I felt I had to do to keep my sanity in the situation. Was there any communication with Alyssa about it? Kind of, but it was like, I didn't want to have, cause you know, they would say 
she would say one thing kind of in his presence, and then when he wasn't there, she would sort of change her tune a little bit. Uh, and she wouldn't outright just say the opposite, but I got the impression that she didn't want... She wasn't necessarily having a problem with anything. It was all kind of coming from him. But then when I would talk to him, he would sort of imply that I was making her uncomfortable. And I couldn't figure out if she was just not being honest with me or not being honest with him. And I didn't want to have to, like, grapple with which one of those was true. So I was like, well, I'm just going to make it easy on everybody and I'll just stop talking to you. I'll be polite to you, but I'm not going to we're not going to have conversations like we were. I'm not going to be inquisitive and interested in you like I was. Right. And then and then it would go hard the other way where suddenly he would be like, hey, I, Alyssa asked me to, to talk to you. Like, can you be like a little nicer to her? And I was like, no, <laughs> like I can be exactly as nice as I'm being, which is polite. But I'm if I can't have any kind of a, a real relationship with her, meaning like even like a real friendship. Now, this is granted another kind of exposure of me is that. I can't, it seems, have a real relationship with a female without there being some sort of, like, romantic component to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily true now. Uh, It doesn't get tested like it did back then. And I think I'm kind of a a bigger person, both physically and emotionally. (laughs) But, yeah, I, I, I do remember it going back and forth like that. And then there'd be times where things were cool and I was acting like normal and nothing was weird. And then suddenly it would get weird again and another conversation would happen, have to happen. And there was like moments where we were writing music and, and like getting ready and like trying to find a drummer. And then there was like moments where we weren't even speaking to each other. We were sort of avoiding each other. Whoa. And you and yeah, Clay. The whole thing was, yeah, me and Clay. The whole thing was real fucking weird. And there was a lot of weird, like, all of our our friends surrounding us, they all had opinions and they all had advice. And I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of the advice I was getting was fuck him. And you know, I'm not going to like name names, but people that we were both really good friends with that were very invested in both of us as friends were telling me, don't worry about him. Just do whatever, you know? Wow. And, I, and yeah, like it was very contrary to what you would guess. You would think that I'd be the asshole and everybody would be like, what are you doing Lou like what the fuck is wrong with you and at hindsight yeah what the fuck is wrong with me I moved in and was sleeping on his fucking floor (laughs) and you know like on the side kind of trying to like make time with his girl but it was not as kind of simple as that you know it seems like it would be but it, it really wasn't now looking back do I regret the way I acted fuck yeah and I got worse you know over time like it got uglier and I got more kind of belligerent and self-righteous and sort of dickish about the whole thing. Oh, no. And I mean, me and him, we were never friends like we were before that, after that. And there was definitely periods where we weren't friends at all. And I mean, at this point, I don't know where we stand other than, you know, we've communicated civilly via social media occasionally. And he's, he's a great guy and I've got nothing but good things to say about the dude. And I wish I hadn't acted the way I acted. And I wish that we had, stayed friends slash started a band together and i if i could go back and change some of that maybe i would because it didn't work out you know but yeah. you know there's nothing you can do about it now but yeah um boy i went deeper there than i expected to um so are you okay yeah i'm okay <laughs> oh god 
I, you know, it's fully possible that I'll break down during one of these episodes. I've had some really fucked up moments. Reading my journal entries from this time, I got, like, kind of depressed. Oh, my God, dude, I bet. But, you know, I saw the potential. You know what I mean? Like, the the potential for us to, like, do something cool and be in a band and, like, and make something happen. And I just saw myself, like, fucking wasting it, you know, because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it kind of thing. Yep. It was just so obvious and gross it's a real bummer to look back and and see yourself acting that way and and thinking the thoughts i was thinking you know um yeah it's not cool so did you guys ever make any recordings or anything is there any evidence of nope no evidence whatsoever i remember showing him the lyrics and the music we actually it's kind of funny that you talked about this song not too long ago um later we'll talk about it on that episode but i was in a band called midwest and one of the songs that we had was called as scary as exciting and that song was about her basically yeah and i remember showing clay the lyrics and playing him the song and like singing it how more or less how you heard that that first verse and him like thinking it was kind of funny that i wrote a song about his girlfriend (laughs) and was singing it to him (laughs) And it wasn't like a love song about her. It was really more like about my conflicted feelings about the situation and everything. But it was definitely about her. And I remember him saying, like, did you really cry? Because in the song I say something about crying and, you know, like tears. And and I was like, a little bit. (laughs) And it wasn't like, I I remember, like, the time that I was thinking of when I wrote those lyrics. And it was just like frustration and feeling like like wrong inside you know like i'm not a good person basically it's probably that song's more it's probably about me not thinking i'm a very good person but yeah i'm a fucking moron I wrote a song about his girlfriend and then sang it to him and like hey let's let's can we do this like in our band well that's what's weird too because <laughs> if you play him that song and sing him the lyrics to that song on a different day he might be pissed at you for it right sure because that's kind of you know, because you have one he, attitude and then you flip. You know what's cool about Clay? Even when he was kind of pissed about it, he was very mature about it. He was very... This is my memory, but my memory is that he was very analytical about things like that. So it was like... He would think it was funny, like in a kind of flippant, like, oh, that's kind of funny that you would think that's appropriate. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it was never like, fuck you, man. Like, never... <laughs> There was never, like, the threat of violence, you know what I mean? And he just, he didn't get mad like that. It was more, like, hurt okay, than anything else, um, which kind of made it worse. You know, it might even made it better if he got mad and wanted to punch me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, let's fucking, let's hit each other a little bit and see what happens. But I'm I'm a bit of a fucking caveman compared to some of my friends, you know? They're, they're all in college. I was a fucking barely graduated high school. But, eh, whatever. Um, so... A couple of I, there's a couple of funny stories from this period of time, uh, and one of them that comes to mind is so. And I I I think I've told you this story before, but it, it occurs to me a lot. And the reason why I think it's relevant to tell it now is because when I've told you this story before, you didn't have any background of where I was emotionally at the time. I don't think. So now, when you know where I was at, kind of emotionally, it might make even more sense. But uh, Braid was playing a show at like a fucking church or something and they were playing with the dismemberment plan and a band called Sarge and me and uh, Chris Broach who's a singer one of the singers and guitar players in Braid 
and his brother Riley, who I don't know if we were playing music at this point, but at one point we were playing music together. He plays bass. And no, I actually don't think we were playing yet, but this is around that time. But yeah, and then some random dude I didn't know. We walked from the church before the show started to like a fucking white hen or something like one of those pantry type things down yeah. on green street like the main drag in champagne right we walked down there to get a beverage and while we were in the store chris made a comment to a girl that was in there like one of the she was like kind of a gangbangerish looking chick but like a towny gangbangerish looking chick not like a city gangbangerish yeah you know i mean so <laughs> kind like of trashy kind of, looking kind of trashy kind of thuggy looking but like you know corn style yeah and <laughs> with with a k <laughs> no not a k okay. definitely with a c but uh he said something to her and i think what he said was like you're looking happy something like that basically sarcastically because she had like a scowl on her face and he sort of like thought it was funny how mad she looked yeah. so he said something like that and he walked by her we bought our beverages we left we're walking down these dark streets you know <laughs> kind of like not a lot of people around and we noticed that there's like three dudes and her walking behind us like I don't know, 100 feet back, back far enough where they're not like right on us. But we're kind of suspicious. Like, are they following us? And then we can see her kind of gesticulating like, yeah, that's them. Yeah. Kind of thing. And then so Chris Riley and this other guy who I don't know are are talking like, what do we do? What do we do? And I'm like kind of just holding myself like, okay, I've, I've been here before. I'm like, I'm sort of getting, <laughs> I'm getting amped a little bit because I'm like, fuck these guys. Like, they think they're tough. They think you're going to, like, scare the college kids. They don't, I'm not a fucking college kid. They and there was, me. there was four of you and three of them? Four of us and three of them is how I remember it. Okay. But they were, like, you know, like, like toughs from the town, you know? Like, they probably <laughs> got in fights and were, like, the tough guys in their group or something. Sure. And they were viewing us like college kind of nerds, you know? Like, oh, yeah, those pussies. guys go to college. Yeah there was kind of that vibe in Champagne. There was the townies and there was the college kids. And a lot of times the townies didn't get respect from the college kids. And then, you know, the college kids got beat up by the townies. So as we're walking and I'm thinking like, I, I fucking hope these guys come. I hope they step to us. Like, I don't know. Fuck this. Like I'm, I'm ready to get my fucking hands sore. Well, where you're you know, at like, emotionally. Yeah. Too, like, emotionally. I was like, I, I kind of want to punch somebody in the face and I don't want it to be somebody I'm friends with. So these guys will work. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, as I'm thinking that, I can hear them talking and we're still walking at like a brisk pace towards the church. And it's like, it's far enough away that we're not almost there. And then at a certain point, they're like, should we run? And I'm like, I'm not fucking running. And then they're like, we're going to fucking, we're going to run and we can get back to the church, the church before they can get to us. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like, wait, what? Like, you Wait, you guys you guys are really going to run like and that, and then I and then I hear the guys behind us start to yell like hey you know come back come back here guys like you know like we're like hey well, let's talk we want to talk to you that kind of thing yeah. like trying to get our attention and then all of a sudden they're fucking our my little group of buddies are counting down three two one run and they all fucking ran so th- three dudes run and I was like fuck that and I just stopped and turned and like stood there and waited for the and the like townie guys came like kind of jogging up to me yeah because i didn't i didn't run and they're like the conversation was so stupid i don't remember exactly how it went but it was a lot like you know what tell, you gotta tell your boy that he better watch who he's talking to and i was like i don't i don't know what he said and i don't care what he said like who cares <laughs> what the fuck are you gonna do about it like you know like we can either fucking fight or you can fuck off like i'm and he's like well you tell your but I'm not, I'm not gonna tell my friend fucking anything 
go fuck yourself that kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah. like i'm not like i'm not what you think i am you know and i'm standing there in like my fucking bomber jacket with my fists ready and i'm like you know got my legs spread a little and i'm like making sure i got distance i'm like yeah the minute they get within close enough to punch distance someone's getting fucking kicked like i'm not letting one of these guys get close to me and it got diffused like immediately the girl's like well this this guy didn't say anything to me to them like she was like this isn't the guy it was the other guy and they were like, you tell your friend. I'm like, I'm not telling him shit, man. You can, If you want to walk me down to church and watch a fucking punk rock show, you can tell him. I'm not telling him nothing. And they're like, well, you know, whatever. And like, they turned and walked away. And I was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, I felt like fucking the toughest dude ever right there. I was like, oh, I kind of wanted to punch somebody, but that's almost better. And I walked back to the fucking show. And they're like, what happened? What happened? And I fucking told them what happened. And they were all like, that's awesome. Uh. And then like, during braid's set chris like between songs like told that story to the audience <laughs> really and like yeah he like pointed at me and he, he fucking told it exactly like it happened he didn't this is one of the things i like about chris he wasn't like i'm gonna fucking make myself sound cool in this situation he told it exactly like it was and he definitely was like we ran away like a bunch of bitches and he fucking turned around and waited for him to get to him like and everybody was like like laughing and cheering and, and i was just like this is a little embarrassing <laughs> but at the same time, maybe I'll get laid out of this. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, I just remember that. And it's funny too, just knowing where I was in that moment. Like, I didn't care if they're going to kick my ass. Like, I don't, getting my ass kicked is not the worst thing that can happen. But I don't know. You know, for all I know, they're going to like pull up and just stab me to death right there on the sidewalk. And no matter how tough I might think I am, a knife will cut right through me. <laughs> death by townies. So, mm-hmm. Um, so on an, Another unrelated story, but this one's really funny to me. Uh, in the middle of the night, Barry woke me up to ask me if he had a hedgehog. <laughs> it's like two in the morning, and he's like, he like shook me awake, and I was like, oh, what the fuck? What's going on? And he's like, do I have a hedgehog? And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, do I have a hedgehog? And I'm like, yeah, you have a fucking hedgehog. He had a hedgehog. He had a pet hedgehog named Phoebe. And That's the perfect name. Yeah, and he fucking... I, he later he told me he thought he was having an acid flashback because he couldn't remember if he had a hedgehog. It's the idea of having a hedgehog was so ridiculous. He didn't think there's any way he really could have had one, but there was a cage in his room and it was empty. And so he came to ask me if he had a hedgehog. And once I confirmed, yes, he had a hedgehog. We then spent the next 45 minutes looking for his hedgehog because it escaped from the cage. <laughs> and we like found it un- under the couch or something. But yeah, just him, him like shaking me awake. Do I have a hedgehog? <laughs> It's so it's fucking weird. So funny. Yeah, it was so weird. Um, so that May, uh, I was a roadie for Sleeping for Sunrise for a very short tour they did. Um, and Sleeping for Sunrise was my friend Blake's band, and they were going at it pretty pretty good at the time. I think they had a seven inch at the time, and they were like recording an album or getting ready to. But um, they had like three shows set up. It was like not even barely a tour, but it felt like a tour because we were driving somewhere and playing a show and sleeping over and driving somewhere and playing a show and sleeping over kind of thing. And But the thing that's kind of interesting, so the first show they played was in St. Louis. No, 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 no. Kansas City. It was in Kansas City. And we went there. We They played the show. It was like a metal show and they were like an emo band so it was very weird like, yeah i don't think they really fit in but it was a fucking show they played it and then we stayed that night at a house with these guys who were in a band and the band was called coalesce i had never heard of coalesce before this i didn't know what they sounded like i didn't know anything about them 
I knew they were heavy. I had heard they were heavy, but I, I didn't know. And so, yeah, we spent the night like hanging out with the fucking bass player and the drummer and a bit. And then, um, yeah, I just remember hanging out with them that night and the next day and they didn't have a fucking shower, a working shower in their house. So we had to take like baths, but like, just like rinse ourselves in the bath you know you couldn't take a real bath like it was a pretty fucked up house i remember that <laughs> yeah. and the basement was like super grungy and that's where coles played what like their drum set was down there and shit i'm mean, like like huh, i wonder what what they do down here you know and then the next day i just heard a really <laughs> fucking loud noise was it vitus going it wasn't i love that guy but, uh, but yeah, I remember just being like, I wonder what they sound like, you know? And then the next day we drove to a, I don't know the name of the town, but it was like a small town. Very weird. It looked like Children of the Corn style. There was nobody in the streets. It was like a town square, like old kind of like, I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe it, but it was very kind of Southern, even though it wasn't in the South, it was that vibe of like, you know, like a town square in the South. Sure, sure. And there was no kids. There was no fucking people out in the world. And they were playing a coffee shop. They, there was no stage or anything. Sleeping they played, for Sunrise was? Or Sleeping Coles? for Sunrise, yeah. They, both of them. They played together. <sighs> okay. Sleeping for Sunrise open. They played. They're set. It was fine. They, they did well. And uh, and then Coles played. And they it was the most ridiculous thing I ever saw to see these fucking guys play this style of music in a coffee shop. And, like, to the point where the fucking singer was, like, diving into the drum set mid-song. And just, it was just outrageous. It was so fucking wild. And if you, you haven't heard Cole S, go listen to him on Spotify. And then picture that in a fucking coffee shop with, like, 15 people watching. It was so weird, dude. That's fucking cool. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm in on these guys. Um, yeah, Cole S is fucking, they're a great band. But it was a very weird experience. And, uh. Yeah, and I got back, and in my memory, I quit my job to do that. Like, in my memory, I quit Bixby's because they wouldn't give me time off. Yeah. When I read my journal in reality, I got the time off. I went and did the fucking thing. I got back. The schedule they had made, they'd put me on, and I wasn't there, and so I was like a no-call, no-show for a day. But then I worked like another day or two, and then the next schedule, I wasn't on it. And then it was like, I don't know, I worked like another two weeks after the show's. So I don't know why I remember it the way I remember it. The fucking the mind is tricky, man. Yeah. Like it basically goes to show that everything in this episode is a hundred percent from my point of view and may be totally fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, take it as fiction, take it as truth, whatever. But yeah, it's a weird thought. Um Oh <laughs> so the end of May, Shane moved to uh to Champagne, my friend Shane. And me and Chris Broach's younger brother Riley were starting to play music together, and then Shane was gonna play drums. We got together and practiced a couple of times, I think. And very quickly it became clear that like I remember I was showing them a new thing I had written, something that would eventually be a Midwest song. And Riley was like, No, nah, I don't want to play that. And I was like, Really? He's like, Yeah, that's not my that's not my vibe. And he was looking for like a June of 44, like kind of angular, angry feel. Yeah. And I was doing more of like a promise ring kind of pop punk, like emo-ish thing. And it was just too like saccharine or sappy for him. 
he just wasn't feeling it. It wasn't like arty enough or something. But yeah, he just outright was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to play that. And I was like, I looked at Shane. I was like, well, you like it, right? And he's like, yeah, I like it. I'm like, all right, well, I guess then we're done here. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> really? Pack their shit up. Yeah, I was like, this, if, if you don't want to play this, that's cool. But this is the kind of stuff we're going to be doing. So we kind of agreed to disagree and, and parted as friends. It was fine. It wasn't like as awkward as that fucking drummer, you know, back in the day where Aaron just packed his shit up mid song. Um, God. I kind of learned my lesson from that, I think. So, but yeah, I was like, yeah, this has gone far enough. It, w- it would have been nice, but this is what I'm doing. This is the the mindset I'm in right now or whatever. But yeah, I, that's that, that was kind of that. And then at the end of June, Shane and I were like, what are we doing here? Like the, this thing with clay has kind of gone as far as it's going to go. Like that's, you guys aren't even like really on speaking terms anymore. And he's like, you know, and I remember he hurt his foot. We were skating and Shane like ate shit. I think we were, we were skating a rail and he fell and like rolled his ankle. He ended up like spraining his ankle pretty bad. Yeah. And so he was like not even able to really to play drums that well. Like he could play drums without bass drum, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember packing his drums up and like driving because he couldn't drive because his fucking driving foot was fucked up. Driving us back up to the northwest suburbs to start the next chapter of our life. But yeah, that was that was champagne. That was Bixby's bagels, but mostly everything around Bixby's bagels. I, you know what's fucking funny? I just thought of this. It's not in my notes. At some point, I was walking. I think I was walking back to Clay and. Barry's apartment from Blake's apartment. I was walking across the quad and it was like, I don't know, one in the morning or something. And there's nobody out there. There's like, you know, a few people out in the distance. I can't really see, but I'm walking through the quad and all of a sudden I see this guy jogging towards me. Just jogging. just like a nice, like out for a run. Yeah. And as he gets closer, I'm like, that guy's fucking naked. <laughs> and then he, dres- he just like runs up. And as we're passing, he gives me like, he's like, Hey, what's up? Kind of what's up to me. Yeah. I was like, Hey man. And he just he just jogged right past me, completely naked. That's awesome. Not, and he was he wasn't even running fast. It was like a, a like his dick was just flopping a nice light flop. I was just like, man, fucking college is weird. A nice light <laughs> flop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just remembered that. I forgot about that. That's fucking funny. I'm glad I didn't forget about that because that's fucking amusing. Okay. Naked guy just you know right past me. Um. I don't know. Do you have any questions about this period of time or the job? If you, know, so, you, you feel like it. How about the PP scale? <clears throat> That's a four because of the onions. <laughs> um, and what was the podcast that you did or the video that you did? Was that pulling focus on the emo episode? Yeah, I did. I did uh, two pulling focus episodes. One about um, Gage, and one about Boilermaker. Okay. So, Wasn't if, there? If wa- there was. Didn't you do something about like? Yeah, the second I did a, wave? I did a podcast called "The Unreliable Narrator." Yes. And we did an episode about emo and talked about kind of my experience with emo as a genre and my sort of like it's like a history from my point of view. Um, I don't, I don't know where that's available. It's not on podcasting platforms anymore because it's the on place YouTube, I was hosting right? Those. It is on YouTube. Yeah, you might be able to find it on YouTube. Maybe I'll put a link up. Yeah, so guys, look out for a link for that because so much of this podcast correlates around music and mostly the music that Lou set out to write or we're both interested in. So if you're interested in hearing some of the music from that time, he's going to 
add a link for that yeah. episode and um maybe at some I point could pro- i could probably put that episode up on our website actually i i'm sure i have it on my computer somewhere i think I'll you should and then um maybe at some point we'll do an emo episode we definitely should yeah it'd be a waste if we didn't yeah okay so you and blake ended up just not really being friends and you and shane uh yeah 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 clay yeah and then you and shane just rode off in the sunset yeah basically i mean we didn't like me and clay didn't have like a blow up or anything it was just sort of like yeah this isn't working and then when i got some distance i sort of i remember saying some things in mixed company that were sort of rude towards him and it got back to him and he was like kind of hurt by it and i remember he called me and was like upset with me and unfortunately i was not the bigger man then either and i think i was sort of dickish about it and then i feel like years later i may have like apologized to him but that might not have happened i might not have ever apologized to him and he might have just been like oh whatever it's lou I don't know. Um, I've thought about reaching out, but the truth is the problem with that is like, Oh, I'm going to reach out to you and like kind of tear open some fucking wounds. And for all I know, you're completely okay with it. You don't need to like revisit this shit just to ease my mind, you know? Right. So in some respects, I feel like it's more respectful to just leave it be, but yeah, I waffle. I go back and forth about it. So now I want waffles. Waffles are fucking good. (laughs) Um, yeah so next episode you know what we're going to talk about please tell me the next episode we're going to talk about cineplex odeon town and country theaters again oh my god the next one's going to be fucking stupendous the next one is going to take me an hours to fucking write the notes for i'm excited i got so much to say yeah me too (laughs) i hope i can do it justice there's so much to say there's so much shenanigans at this fucking job um this is a good one all right guys we'll see you next time love you love you too